It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And yes, just because the Panthers season is ending on Sunday, and we already kind of ended already, does not mean I'm going to stop doing daily podcasts. That doesn't come until the summer months when there's really nothing to talk about. But there should be a ton to talk about throughout the offseason as the Panthers need a new head coach. They definitely need a new OC. They're going to need a new quarterback, and a whole host of players will come here, and, of course, the NFL draft. So keep it locked right here on Locked On Panthers through the next four or five months through at least June when we have mandatory minicamp. Then, you know, tune out for a couple weeks and come back as Panthers head down to Spartanburg, I think, right? They're going back to Spartanburg to Wofford College one more time before, well, I guess not one more time before because there is no practice facility. Okay, moving forward, make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel, wherever you list your favorite podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode there. And follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every Friday, even throughout the offseason, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And yes, the football season, at least the Panther season's ending, but there's plenty of other seasons that are going to begin and are still ongoing. So check out Bet Online to get your betting fix in. All right, it's Friday. Let's just get into the questions here on the weekly Friday mailbag. Again, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, at me, DM me to get your questions in next week. I thought we had some pretty good questions this week, starting off here with Andre, who says, first off, I got to thank you, man. I'll admit it. I was definitely a part of the tank uh, movement, but watching you every day slowly but surely pulled me out of that, and I was all in by Seattle game for the question. And by the way, sorry, Andre, for dragging you back into this bottomless pit of Panthers fandom and wanting them to win. But what's the point of watching this if you don't want your team to win and have success? But your question, he asks, if we do keep Steve Wilkes, do you think do you not think his conservativeness will be an issue? He obviously is defensive-minded and doesn't give off the vibe that he is entirely cares about passing the ball or having a high-powered offense outside of the run game. I want a quarterback that can sling it. I'm kind of bored of our Panthers teams being based around defense. I want to become an offensive team for a change. And realistically, what teams would even want to trade with us to get a quarterback? I don't count too many. All right, well, your first question, Steve Wilkes, is he too conservative 
as it stands playing the football games on Sunday. Yeah, for a man who said he wanted to be aggressive going into the game on Sunday against the Buccaneers, a game the Panthers had to have, and talk about how Tom Brady may be the best to ever do at the quarterback position, don't really think there's much argument at this point in time. You punted the ball, not once, but twice, on your own 42 on a fourth and one. Yes, he brought up on Monday how Sam Darnold made the wrong read and had he given it to LaVishka Sinold on third down and been the first down and how Chuba Hubbard got to make a man miss. All right, fine. Your players didn't execute, but give them another shot. Be aggressive. You've done it in the past, Steve. The fake punt, remember? We've seen it happen before. So you would think in a game that you have to have that you would pull out all the stops instead of telling Tom Rinaldi at the half, like, yeah, we're going to be aggressive. We've been aggressive. No, you haven't. You were aggressive one time on a no-brainer fourth and three from at the 29-yard line of the Buccaneers, which basically every single team in the NFL goes for. Maybe not Todd Bowles. I don't know. So, yeah, it's something to be concerned about. As a defensive-minded head coach, he's always going to want an offense that complements his defense. Now, it's a little bit different in the NFL than in college because you certainly see in college the air raid where it's like, all right, we're going to throw the ball first down, second down, third down. If it's three straight incompletions, your defense got no rest at all. So I can understand if it was college wanting an offense that's going to be complementary to his defense. But in the NFL, especially nowadays, you got to have a high-powered offense. Look at all the best teams in the league. The Eagles. Great defensively, but look at that offense this year, especially when Jalen Hurts has played. Look at the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs. Look at the best teams in the NFL. They all have, well, excellent quarterbacks, but high-powered offenses. It's impossible now to win in the NFL at a high level without a high-powered offense. Now, you question whether you can have one. Did you forget what happened against the Detroit Lions? 570 yards total, 320 on the ground, both franchise records. That's Steve Wilkes who was coaching the team that did that now will probably be a different OC. And I don't know if the uh, running game should be what they base everything on. But as he said, we got to win at the line of scrimmage and you want to be able to control it via the run game. And you also want to be able to control uh, time of possession, which you can do via the run game. So I don't think it would change all that much of Steve Wilkes. But as you mentioned, you got to have the quarterback with Sam Darnold. What you ex- what were you expecting offensively? Same thing with Baker when he was out there, Ravens game, and then PJ after the Rams game. What were you expecting them to try and lean on offensively? The quarterback? Because as we've seen, none of the quarterbacks here in Carolina, we don't know about Matt Corral, have shown that they can play at a high level in this league and that they can be relied upon week in and week out at that position to make plays. So the smart thing was to run the football, and they did a pretty damn good job at doing that this year. Not to say that's going to be the philosophy moving forward, but when you have bad quarterback play or average quarterbacks that the Panthers have, it's really hard to ask the quarterback to do a lot. Now you ask also, realistically, which teams could we trade up for? You don't count too many. I count three. Because right now, sitting at five is Indianapolis. The Colts are going to take a quarterback, I would imagine. If they don't, then I can't explain what Jim Irsay is doing. Andrew Luck retiring on them right before the 2019 season, like that is a terrible break for that organization. And as we've seen since then, they have been chasing the ghost of Andrew Luck, who, yes, is still alive and well and very happy to not be playing football and not to be in and out of rehab and to actually be able to protect his body and live a fruitful life with a ton of money and not getting beat up every single weekend during the fall. But they've been trying to find some answer 
They had Phillip Rivers for a season. That worked out. Last year of Carson Wentz, it didn't work out. When they tried Jacoby Brissett in 2019, it worked out okay, but not the level that they wanted to be and had an experience of Andrew Luck. And then we saw this year with Matt Ryan. Then it was uh, Sam Ellinger. Nick Foles, bless his heart, getting thrown out there. The dude was minding his business a couple weeks ago. They're like, hey, you're going to start now. And then he gets carted off the field on Sunday in that loss. The Colts need a quarterback. They also need an owner to probably calm down a little bit in Jim Irsay. But they're a team that at five, they're going to take a quarterback. So you need to get ahead of them. Chicago already has their guy. Maybe they're a trade partner. If I'm Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Chicago Bears, and if I'm Matt Eberflus, I am not trying to trade out of the number two pick because we are bad. We have a quarterback and we need to build around that guy. So I think Chicago stays there. Seattle is the team to look at. Seattle still has multiple first round picks that are going to come from the Russell Wilson trade to Denver, which to this point they've won. And who also has a relationship with Seattle and their general manager, John Snyder. Oh, that's right. Our general manager here in Carolina, Scott Fitterer. So Scott can call John and say, hey, what do you think we can uh, do here? Can you give me a fair a fair deal? Maybe give me a discount to what you would typically give another team so we can get up to number three and then draft their quarterback. I think that is absolutely possible that with Scott Fitter's connections to Seattle, the Carolina Panthers can move up right to number three and take C.J. Stroud and be, fingers crossed, set for the next 10, 15 years at the quarterback position. Arizona's another team that maybe the Panthers – can be able to uh, trade with. The Cardinals are a team that were a playoff team last year. We'll see what happens with Cliff Kingsbury. Black Money's coming up here shortly, maybe. But I'm really looking at Seattle in that top three as a team that that's those are the guys. And it helps, too, the Broncos keep losing, which they should lose again on Sunday, or they're definitely going to be a top three pick. So that's what I'm eyeing, trading up with Seattle. That's the team. It doesn't really matter about how many teams. It matters, like, is there a team that's willing to do a deal with you? And I think the Seattle Seahawks could be that team. All right, moving on to Matthew now. He said, what is a reasonable time frame we can expect to hire our new head coach? Not sure when the window officially opens to hire, and I'm sure we'll want to give them as much time as possible to get their staff together slash prep for the draft. Now, Hiring a head coach is, first and foremost, the most important thing. The staff, that will come along probably more so in February. And I'm sure whoever interviews will have to give David Tepper, especially the defensive guy, like Steve Wilkes, their plan on offense and how they're going to be able to turn that into a consistent unit and a top 10 unit in the NFL. Now, as far as the window, the window to begin in-person or virtual interviews of candidates who work for a team that did not make the playoffs opens up on Monday. Candidates who work for teams that earned a first-round buy, so potentially the Eagles, the Bills, the Chiefs, maybe Cincinnati. So that's guys like Shane Steichen, the OC there in Philadelphia. That's defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier in Buffalo. That's OC Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City. They also can start interviewing on Monday. The window to interview candidates for those teams will continue through the conclusions of Wild Card Weekend on January 16th, that next Monday, between January 15th and 17th, in-person and or virtual interviews for a head coach spot may be conducted with coaches whose teams have already won a wild card game. That window will continue through the conclusion of the divisional round games. On January 23rd, in-person and or virtual interviews may begin for coordinator positions with coaches whose teams won a wild card game. That window will continue through January 28th, the day before the AFC and NFC championship games. 
All other interviews of coaches whose teams are still participating in the playoffs will be prohibited until January 30th. On January 30th, the day after, uh, that day, uh, the day after, I guess it's 29th rather, I think is the January I meant to say, um, but the day after Championship Sunday, which is, yeah, so it's the 29th. So the 29th is, the, is when the window closes for coordinators um, whose teams want a wild card game to continue to interview. But on the 30th, the day after Championship Sunday, um, that's when um, assistant coaches who's two uh, of the two clubs who previously interviewed for a head coach or coordinator position may have a second in-person or virtual interview no later than February 5th. Hopefully I didn't stumble over that too much. And then second interviews of assistant coaches whose teams participate in the Super Bowl can resume on February, February 13th, the day after the Super Bowl. So basically, I went back and looked at it last year, and I was just trying to explain as best as I could. I think I definitely botched that um the whole time frame but as far as like the window all the coaching hires last year were made in the last week of january and in the first week of february so the long short of it is and really the short of it all is expect the panthers to hire their coach in the last week of january or the first week of february because that's how every team in the league did it last year so we still got about let's see one, two, three, about three, four more weeks before we know who the Carolina Panthers head coach is. And it's possible it gets reported that, hey, this guy is going to be the Panthers head coach. It just hasn't come out officially by the team. So there you go. About three, four weeks until we know who's going to be coaching this team in 2023. All right. Uh, let's take a quick pause here on the show, then come back, and I'll answer more of your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on Locked on Panthers. But before I do that, let me tell you all again about prize picks. If you pick two to five players and they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA Tour, college football, men's and women's college basketball, soccer, esports, NASCAR, cricket, and much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PriceFix app or go to pricefix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So this is how it works. If you deposit $100, PriceFix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PriceFix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 when you download the PriceFix app or go to prizepicks.com today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get back to the weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked On Panthers. At me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. Participate next week. 
in the weekly Friday mailbag. Uh, over to Kendrick, who says, uh, re- really hate to go into offseason mode with one week left, but hey, man, we're all doing that anyways. Um, he said a lot of his Panther fans relish the thought of Coach Wilkes becoming the head coach. Most think that he's done a great job considering where we were early in the season, but is it possible that a review of his coaching ability is based more on a comparison of the previous regime and less on his game day performance? Doesn't hurt that he has so many ties to the organization or its previous winning era either. Yeah, I think a lot of it, well, it's not, let's not say a lot of it, because I don't think that's fair. I do think there is a section of the fan base and of, nah, maybe that's not it either. I do think play, it, I think it plays a role that Steve Wilkes was here before. I do think it plays a role that Steve Wilkes is from Charlotte. He is the uh, sentimental favorite to win the job. Not only because, you know, he's done a remarkable job to turn this into a competent football team, but because he's been here before during the years that I think might have been the most prosperous in Carolina Panthers football history. When the Panthers went to four of five appearances in the playoffs and went 15-1, and one, won the division three years in a row. Can't think of a better stretch of four or five seasons than what they had there in the mid-2010s. So I think it has a lot to do which not I don't know a lot, but it has something to do with Steve Wilkes having been here in Carolina then. It also, yeah, it's a difference between the way he conducts himself and the way Matt Rule conducts himself. Because when you watch Steve Wilkes' press conference, he's pretty no-nonsense. He's pretty straight to the point. Whereas Matt Rule's out here giving us Jay-Z and all this other nonsense and seemingly just not answering the question straightforward, and you wonder how authentic he is and, you know, how honest is he being with us? You don't get that with Steve Wilkes. So two different personalities, and it's a completely different personality than the one that we dealt with. And typically when you break up with someone, you want to find something different from your ex. And Steve Wilkes absolutely is that here in Carolina. As far as his game day performance, we've talked about how conservative he's been and how he says he's going to be aggressive. He's not really aggressive. And you question like, okay, dude, it's a 52 yard field goal. Why not try and attempt that? He's like, ah, we don't think we can do it. It's like, well, your kicker's already shown at some point in the season, he can do it. And a dude hadn't missed in like forever when he was asked to do that. So there's plenty of things to question about Steve Wilkes. You know, I don't know how everything played out in Arizona. How much was it really on him? I'm not quite sure. I'm sure some level, of the, I mean, there's got to be a decent level of blame that goes on Steve Wilkes in that failed season, but he only got a season. So we didn't really get to see him build anything. But the way he was able to turn this team around and to get the most out of what was on his roster, which I think he did, is commendable and is why I think he has earned an opportunity to be a head coach, whether it's here in Carolina or someone else, somewhere else in the league. So I think it is possible that, you know, people are possibly overlooking a couple of things because they are, you know, so emotionally attached to see books because of those, I don't know, golden years, if you want to call them that here in Carolina. But we'll see. Uh, maybe and the thing is, David Tepper, Scott Fitter, those guys got to have a level head when they look at it and they have to weigh every single thing that he, they saw over the last 12, now 13 weeks. And then they got to look at all the candidates. They're going to come in here and have to decide whether, you know, Steve Wilkes is the best candidate for them to move this team forward. So that's a good question. We'll see how it plays out. All right, got a Steve now. Not Steve Wilkes, I don't think. Uh, he says, do you feel any of the top quarterback prospects besides Bryce Young, who's probably going number one, are coming into a good situation? I personally think the O-line has been solid. The Panthers have solid wide receivers. Missing a pass-catching tight end, though. That run game has been hit or miss. I was wanting your thoughts on any of the rookie quarterbacks being plugged in from day one. Will they be set up for success, or will the rookie quarterback, whoever they may be, struggle? Let me say this first off, because the Jets actually 
came out and said this, I believe on Thursday, that they made a mistake by not having a veteran quarterback there for Zach Wilson. And I want to say Dan Orlovsky was one of those guys back when Wilson got drafted that was saying, what are the Jets doing? Why do they not have a veteran guy there for Zach Wilson? I guess didn't they have, maybe they had Joe Flacco right there. I guess they brought in Joe Flacco. But something that – I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I saw something about that with the Jets where they just didn't bring in enough veteran presence for Zach Wilson, and then they coddled him too much. It's like you got to – and he didn't really have to earn the job. And that's one of the things, too. If you're going to draft a quarterback, have someone here that's capable of starting NFL games and that's capable of going out there and leading the team to victories. Like Sam Darnold's shown that. Now, is he going to do it at a high level? Is he going to do it with consistency? No. That's why he's going to be a backup the rest of his career. But bring in someone like Sam Darnold, who has the experience of being a top quarterback with all the expectations in the world, but also someone who is willing to help guide this player through. Because not all the guys are willing to do that. Look at Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. He said, yeah, it's not my job to help Malik Willis. And Malik Willis looks lost. Had Ryan Tannehill helped him a little bit, maybe Malik Willis looked better. I don't know. Uh, he's still pretty raw. I don't think people had ex- high expectations out of him anyways this season. If he had to be play, if he got called on the play, and as we saw, he hasn't played well. And Cam Newton was a guy who had no problem uh, guiding young guys. Find don't 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 do Cam, don't ask Cam to do it, but find someone who can guide that young quarterback. I think first and foremost to help them build to that success. That also goes in line with a right quarterback coach and an OC that can help them. The O line, you bring back Bradley Bozeman next year. You got to resign him. I ain't worried about that O-line at all. The run game, I think a lot of that also comes off of they're a one-dimensional football team for the most part. If you know what they want to do is run the football and you stop that, you're going to have success. And that's what happened on Sunday where the Bucks had success. Defense also is in shambles. And in three turnovers coming from the quarterback position, that helps out. So – you got to be able to have some sort of balance moving forward. They need another wide receiver. Marshall started to play really well, but they need someone else who's proven to come in here and help the team out. Yes, pass catching tight end. I do believe as far as what's on the offensive side of the football, they're coming into a decent situation. Wouldn't say good because you do have a number one receiver in DJ Moore, and you do have a guy who's emerging as a number two, but we're not quite sure how good he actually is and you have a good offensive line. Like, that's better than what Justin Fields was given. I mean, that might be better than what Mac Jones was given in New England. So, I think that they would be in a good position. Now, if CJ Stroud gets the opportunity, I think he can come in and play well. Levis, I I don't know. Richardson, I think he struggles because I think he just needs time. That's just me. We'll see. All right, Cedric, what's good, JC? Well, this isn't what we all wanted due to our loss, but honestly, I'm really excited for a future. But my question is, if you were the coach of the Panthers and seeing Henderson performance and then not uh, talking to the media afterwards, afterwards, will you start him? And didn't it seem like our pass rush got gassed at the end? Uh, I didn't really think that much about the pass rush. I think the Bucks just did a good job. Uh, yeah, I mean, Steve Wilkes might not be the coach here. It's like with Perry Fuel. Remember when Perry Fuel, when he was the interim for Ron Rivera, when he benched Dante Jackson because of Dante, you know, having the whole deal in Atlanta? That was absurd to, do- to bench Dante Jackson, a young player. And Henderson, we'll see what his future is here in Carolina. It doesn't appear to be bright. You don't bench that guy. And who do you go to if you do? You can put Josh Norman out there for what? For who? What are they achieving by doing that? You might as well play Henderson because he's still 
a young player technically and someone that you have at least one more year invested in as far as his salary goes. So, no, I wouldn't bench C.J. Henderson. All right, let's take one more quick pause here on the show, then come back and I'll answer the rest of your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on Locked on Panthers. But before I do that, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, and news and analysis. Get the latest in trends and odds for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to the college football national championship coming up on monday night to basketball they've got you covered at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts like this one you can even find those at betonline as well they're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more but online where the game starts hey guys it's joe marino Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's uh, do this. Let's finish up the weekly Friday mailbag. Again, at me, DM me, participate next week in the show or on the show. Uh, All right, let's go to Will. Let's see, uh, how do you handle the cornerback situation heading into next year? Dante and JC haven't stayed healthy the past couple years, and clearly Keith and Henderson both suck. Those are your words, not mine, Will. Yeah, they got to add somebody else. They do. And it's one of those things like, do you draft someone? I don't know. Is there a veteran you can get who's proven themselves, but you can get them at a decent deal? It's hard because, like, Dante's your starter, JC's your starter. So when you bring someone in, you're basically telling like, hey, you're like our number three guy. And maybe, I guess, in a nickel, you're going to be like, hey, you're going to be like our starting guy in a slot. And then they talk about having JC in a slot when um, Henderson and Dante and Horn are all healthy. So is that the case again next year? Do they maybe keep JC on the outside and bring someone else in to be a veteran to play in the slot or maybe play on, on the, in the boundary or the field side? I don't know. But they got to do something because I, I certainly am not going to look at what I saw from C.J. Henderson and think that's the guy who's can be trusted to be a backup. But it's also a part of development. Maybe you wait because it's contract here. As we've seen, contract years undefeated. Maybe that's when he starts to cl- uh, it finally starts to click for him. So, but I would bring somebody in. I'd bring a veteran in and I'd tell them, hey, you're coming in here and you're going to be our third corner and you're going to get plenty of snaps. That would be uh, what I'd be telling them. All right, let's see. Alex, he asked, do you think the Bank of America turf will be a meaningful deterrent for free agents considering Carolina? 
Shaq and Austin Corbett said it was like concrete on Christmas Eve and in a league where the best ability is availability, it seems like players would be hesitant to sign up to play on a surface like that for half their games. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about that. The Panthers this year, I looked it up, played twice, twice on grass at Baltimore, at Tampa. Shaq Thompson and multiple of those um, numerous amount of those players have said publicly, like you brought up, that like the field conditions for the Detroit game on Christmas Eve were terrible. It was the coldest Panthers home game in history, so that played a role in it. Also, I think playing on field turf played a role in it, of course. And that's an issue. The NFLPA filed a grievance, and the Panthers players are a part of the NFLPA, so I'm sure, as they already mentioned, that they don't like it. And they've also called on the owner to go back to grass. And I understand why Tepper went to field turf, because David Tepper looks at Bank of America Stadium as a entertainment venue, more so than just a place where the football team plays 10 times a year like the old owner, Jerry Richardson, looked at it. And I was totally fine with that. But you have a college games there. You have the opening. You get the Mayo kickoff game. You get the Mayo Bowl. You have, what, 10 Panthers games there every year. So that's already 12 events. You have at least 17, I believe, home games for Charlotte FC. So there's 27. And then random concerts for random people I wouldn't go see. So you got like 30, 32 events there when you used to only have 10. So I do see why he went to field turf to try and preserve the field. But he also is the guy who put grass down for Chelsea football club when they came to play Charlotte FC this past summer, because Chelsea's like, we're not playing on that nonsense, put down grass. We're not coming at all. So he'll do it so he can make money for when Chelsea comes to town, but he won't do it for his players. And it's the same guy who said that he'll never put his team at a competitive disadvantage. As you bring up, Alex, the best ability is availability. And we've already seen multiple players get hurt on that field turf this year. And we know MetLife Stadium, which has always had those issues, and they are apparently changing the kind of turf that they use next season. You would think that David Tepper would listen. So we'll see how much he really cares. And also, you bring up the Panthers. There's only 16 teams of the 32 that play on grass. And it's the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Bears, the Browns, the Broncos, the Packers, Jaguars, Chiefs, Raiders, Dolphins, Eagles, Steelers, 49ers, Bucks, Titans, Commanders. Half the league plays on an artificial surface. So if you're a free agent, you're basically cutting out half the league, and you're going to have to go on the road anyways and play against teams. Like the Panthers, as we know, like they, they, what, what they play eight, nine home games this year. I don't remember how many it was. Um, nine, because they had to play only one preseason game at home. So they played nine home games during the regular season, and yet they only played twice on grass. It's not just the Panthers. It's a league-wide issue. So no matter where you go, you're going to have to play on field turf, whether you like it or not. All right, over to Marquise. Uh, I was very disappointed, but if we look overall, you have to love the stride this young team has made second half of the season. Do you think next year they build off of this regardless of Wilkes getting the job or not? I mean, I feel like as long as we end the year on a win against this New Orleans team, we still got a lot to be excited about. I do think there's a lot to be excited about. I don't think people should be feeling doom and gloom. I think this can be a very positive and exciting offseason. And I am someone, like I mentioned to Ross Jackson yesterday on the crossover, we didn't really preview the game, by the way. We kind of just preview the offseason. And 
you know, it's going off our two teams more so than like, oh, the X's and O's and the matchups. Because like, who really cares? It's going to happen on Sunday. And I already said, win or lose, I don't think as far as the draft mat goes, it's going to be that big of an impact for the Carolina Panthers. They're going to trade up anyways, looking at you, Seattle. Um, but if, if Wilkes gets the job, you already have 12 game sample size to build off of. He's already been able to establish the culture he wants here in Carolina. If you bring someone else in, as we saw with Matt Rule, they're going to want to establish their own culture. They're going to want to bring in their own guys, and that's going to be players included and, of course, coaches, and things are going to change. So you have positive momentum and a foundation being built with Steve Wilkes. If you get rid of him, I'm not saying it completely erases it, but it kind of does. Because the other guy's going to want to do it his own way. Or female, who knows? So, yeah, I, I, I think you should be excited. But, uh, yes, they have, a, they have a young team that's gotten better, but they're going to have a brand-new message if it's not Steve Wilkes next year, and they're going to have to buy in. And as we heard from Shaq Thompson, a lot of guys didn't buy into what Matt Rule was doing. But finding a veteran NFL coach opposed to a college coach who had next to no NFL experience makes a lot more sense, and I think that would work out much better than what we just saw with Matt Rule. All right, got Bradley says, uh, I'm not saying they shouldn't draft a quarterback, but they're not going to get this out of any rookie next year. And he said that to me during the game as far as Sam Darnold goes. And, you know, maybe, maybe Darnold, five years in the league, probably played the best football of his career the last five weeks. We'll see how he plays on Sunday against the Saints. He's made a case to come back to me, maybe a bridge or a high-level backup could be here or somewhere else. And you wonder, it's going to take a couple of years. And as I've told y'all, it's going to take like three years to know whether you have the right guy or not. Like the Giants, they got a new GM in Joe Shane. They got a new head coach, Brian Dable. They're going to the playoffs. Do they really like wholeheartedly believe Daniel Jones is the right guy? It's not a because there's some guys that reveal themselves. Well, look at Josh Allen. It took Josh Allen until his third year to figure it out, guys. You're going to have to wait, be patient. We're not always going to get Patrick Mahomes kind of deal. When it comes to quarterbacks, so you're gonna have to be patient. And looking at Trevor Lawrence, he's got he figured it out here in the second half of the sec of his second year. Justin Fields, kind of the same way. The rest of those guys haven't figured it out. So it's it's not gonna be as simple as hey, they come in, it clicks. Most likely, it could, but um, as history shows, rookie quarterbacks struggle. And Kenny Pickett, he started to play well in those two comeback wins that we've seen the last two weeks against the Raiders and against the ball and the Baltimore Ravens. But outside of those two drives, he's been kind of up and down. So a lot of give and take when it comes to the uh, rookie quarterbacks. All right, final question from Dominic. Uh, so I've heard that Harbaugh, that's Jim Harbaugh, by the way, copies his coaching from his brother. Is it possible that we become a worse version of the Ravens? Well, a worse version of the Ravens, a team that is basically in the playoffs every year, is a lot better than where the Panthers are now. So if that's the case, then – don't really see the negative in that. By the way, Jim Harbaugh put out a statement on Thursday talking about he expects to be back at Michigan. Didn't say he's going to be back at Michigan. So that was a pretty big nothing burger, and nothing he said mattered. Jim Harbaugh is very interested in the NFL, and apparently he's very interested in the Carolina Panthers job. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show, over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel, where one final time on Sunday I'll be there live to break down a Carolina Panthers game. Don't really know how much of it I'm actually going to break down. Probably going to start just to look ahead to the offseason right then and there, but I'll be here live 
following the Panthers win against the Saints. If you missed it, that's okay. You can check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe there so you never miss a single episode of the show. And be sure to follow me again, Julian Council, on Twitter so you can participate next week in the weekly Friday mailbag. Either at me or DM me there on Twitter to participate next Friday. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding beers. And I'll talk to y'all on Sunday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.